You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Although those American Indians who live in the southwest region of the United States and Alaska continue to experience low cancer incidence rates in comparison with whites, African Americans, Asians, and other races, within the last few generations, cancer among Native Americans is becoming a growing concern. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Joel Heller, and with me today is Dr. Linda Baranz-Tepanoff, President and Grants Director for Native American Cancer Research in Pine, Colorado. Today we're talking about the realities of cancer within the Native American community. Welcome. Thank you. Um, Joel, may I correct something that's in the introduction? You may. What you just said is exactly what is printed on most things about Native Americans and cancer, talking about lower incidence. There will be a report that is released jointly by the Indian Health Service, by the National Cancer Institute, the Centers for Disease Control, and by some other uh, consultants on this project that's called a report to the nation that actually summarizes Native American cancer incidence rates. The incidence rates you just talked about being lower are really true for the Southwest, but that is not true for anyone in Alaska or anyone in the Northern Plains. Our rates for most types of cancer are comparable to other um, groups in the United States in both the Northern Plains, which are all the northern states parallel to the Canadian border, which as Native people we don't recognize anyway, um, and also for Alaska. Also, Oklahoma has very similar rates as do the Northern Plains and the Alaska region. But even in the Southwest, where incidence is lower and people kind of try to blow it off like it's no big deal, we are seeing all cancer rates increase every year. They also have different types of patterns around the country. So if you are in the Southwest, you're going to see a lot more gallbladder cancer and stomach cancer. But their breast cancer is still increasing. So breast cancer is going to be one of the more common cancers among women in the Southwest. If you go to the Northern Plains area and you look at the deaths from prostates, and I'm not talking about incidents anymore, I'm talking about mortality because the incidence data won't be out till fall. The death rate for Native men from prostate cancer in the Northern Plains is 34 per 100,000 as compared to the all-U.S. rate of 23.4 per 100,000. So you're looking at we have a higher death rate from prostate cancer in the Northern Plains than we do in other parts of Indian country and then than is ever reported by any of the other data. So we have very different patterns in different parts of the country. Same thing is true for our lung cancer death rates. Um, Age-adjusted mortality rates for lung cancer are absolutely phenomenal, both for men and for women. And in Alaska, and actually I have some of these slides, they are on our website and it's under the comments. The slides are from Indian Health Service and they're there for any of the providers to go to to actually see how different the types of cancer are throughout Indian country. What do we, what do we attribute that, that to? Uh, I don't believe that the Native American population is a monolithic gene pool. <laughs> uh, and and is, there's got to be differences between tribes that are on the East Coast, the West Coast, as you said, Southwest and Alaska. What are some of the differences that you're finding in your research that account for these things? There are multiple things. And, and when you talk about the gene pool, in general, what we find in purebred Native Americans is that we find excellent protection in the different markers, such as P53. We find that's pretty darn strong in our community. We don't have a lot of abnormalities in P53 that are, you know, make us more susceptible. We have no full-blood Native Americans who have who are positive for abnormality with either BRCA1 or BRCA2 or BRCA1, BRCA2, nor for HER2 new. So there's 
multiple conditions that they're now starting to do testing for, and it looks like our native genome is actually quite healthy, but of course there's been so much intermarriage that there is the introduction to these other genetic markers that you know, will eventually make us more at risk. Example, hereditary non-polyposis colon cancer. We do find a very, very large clan among the southwestern tribe that has this by large. I mean, more than a 1,000 members are in the clan um, of the tribe. We're also starting to see HNPCC in Utah. The Nevada Cancer Center has been working with Native people on this. It is also starting to show up in other regions in Montana, in Minnesota, and in Wisconsin. So HNPCC, in the past, we've really been focusing just on the Southwest, but we're now starting to see a hereditary form show in different parts of the country. When we talk about some of these cancers that we're discussing, colon cancer, breast cancer, cervical cancer, tests that there are known um, good screens available for. When you're finding these cancers, do they tend to be at later stages? Is there a difficulty having access to screening tests? Some are kind of frustrating. An example of a frustrating one is colon cancer because colon cancer testing is actually quite good. And what you have the advantage of in colon cancer is that people can be diagnosed when they have a polyp that is not cancerous yet. It's precancerous. If it's removed, you're doing good. You may have to come in more often for your screening tests, but it's no big deal. And if you know you're at risk, if you know that you have HNPCC or hereditary non-polyposis colon cancer, you know to go in more often. How many Indian communities have access to colonoscopy? Many of these polyps are up higher in the colon, and a sigmoidoscopy isn't really going to be able to find them. So we're really interested in encouraging more colorectal cancer screening because it is prevention and it is a good test. We don't push the FOBT so much in some of our communities because in Alaska, where colon cancer is the highest in comparison to any other region in Indian country, it is also higher among Alaska natives than it is among non-natives who live in exactly the same geographic region of, of that country or of that, of that region, of that area. We don't recommend it because there's so much H. pylori bacteria that are present. Well, H. pylori bacteria is going to end up with blood in the stool. Right. And that's what the FOBT is looking for, blood in the stool. So it's not a false negative because the FOBT did what it's supposed to do, but it's due to H. pylori bacteria. How about difference between tribes? What's the research showing? Man, it's showing night and day differences. Some things we can make guesses as to what's happening. Some things we cannot. Some things we're quite solid on. Example, anywhere in the northern plains. I had just mentioned the lung cancer rate um, in the northern plains, that is much higher. Well, smoking among tribes that live in the north-central states is much higher. We have, and I'm talking about habitual smoking use, we, um, we use tobacco in our ceremonies. Um, many of our, most of our tribes use tobacco in some way in multiple ceremonies. But ceremonial tobacco use is not the issue here. Habitual tobacco use is. And in the northern plains, you've got death rates for men and women that's like more than 75 per 100,000 die of lung cancer each year in the northern plains. The U.S. already is 48.3 per 100,000. And if you're looking at major differences, which you'll also find throughout the northern plains due to habitual tobacco use, is a lot more head and neck cancer. You find esophageal cancer. 
So you find things that are directly tobacco-related. You know, so that one's pretty clear-cut. But the tobacco, we think, is also contributing to the elevated rate that we see for cervical cancer throughout the northern plains. And it also contributes, of course, to colorectal cancer. If you look at some of the more common cancers, tobacco we know in the northern plains contributes to that. But if we jump down to the southwest, we don't see as much lung cancer in those regions, but we still see a very high level of cervical cancer. So if cervical cancer is still high, even in the southwest where there's not just the ceremonial use, we say, okay, now we've got this HPV vaccine. Is that going to help? Well, we don't know. We do know that there's a paper that's about to be released very soon that talks about um, the HPV virus that they're finding in cervical cancer tumors in the northern plains. More than a third do not are not HPV type 16 and type 18, which suddenly changes. Is it squamous cancer or is it endocervical cancer? Is it adenocarcinoma? They actually have both. They have both. We, our cervical cancer is higher than any other race in the United States. In the northern plains um, is the highest, but um, even in the southwest, it's much higher than the all-U.S. rate. Mm-hmm. So like in trying to meet the healthy people 2010 objectives, um, we are way out of line in Indian country for trying to reach the goal of having only two deaths per year from cervical cancer. All IHS is, averages 3.7, but the Northern Plains is almost five women per year are dying just of cervical cancer, which is an easy cancer to treat and to cure, uh, but you have to have access to services. Well, it's an easy one to prevent, absolutely. Um, yes. <laughs> interesting. Yeah, it's just we have we have some things that are bizarre. It's like if you look at the white population for breast cancer, only one out of four white women are diagnosed before age 50 with breast cancer. And, of course, they're the population group that has the highest uh, prevalence of breast cancer in the country, and that's what the screening guidelines are based on, white women. Right. But we have half of our women are diagnosed before age 50. We can't wait until we're 50 to start getting screened for breast cancer. We need to be screened at a younger age. And yet the Centers for Disease Control has difficulty, and they try to give some flexibility, saying, well, you can screen between 40 and 50. Or if a woman has a lot of symptoms, but, again, half of our women are going to be in that under 50 age group being diagnosed. And this whole shift in breast cancer where we're seeing young women of all racial groups being diagnosed at younger ages. Um, the NCI is talking about this triple negative, meaning that the tumor is not positive for estrogen, nor progesterone, nor HER2 new, um, and that they tend to be aggressive cancers, they tend to be in younger women, and they really find it very high in African-American women. We don't have a clue what that is for our population. Linda, before we leave, I'd like uh, you to give to our listeners uh, uh, your website and uh, so they can find out more about what you're doing and if they want to be able to participate and help, well, how they can go about doing that. Great. Our website is http colon slash slash www.natamcancer.org. And there's many different ways to help. We need more providers who will help answer questions for the many 
uh, questions we get from patients. We would love to have providers help us with that. We have a fund that's called the Memorial Fund. If someone wants to make a do uh, donation, Memorial Fund is allocated only for cancer patients and their family to help them get into care and to help them cover costs such as paying their gas bills, uh, maybe buying a mattress if somebody's sleeping on the floor, which is not uncommon. Um, sometimes it's to help pay for part of their medications or to contribute to paying for an anesthesiologist. And, or if they want to make a donation to the overall organization and say they want it specifically to go to the survivorship program, that would be wonderful. We would love it because <laughs> there's so much more we need to do. I want to thank Dr. Linda Bernstapanoff, who's been our guest, and we've been discussing the prevalence of cancer within the Native American community today. I'm Dr. Joel Heller. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.